episode 119. 119 was the point at the Ashes last night that I gave up hope when we had 119 nice. left to get and we had like three wickets in hand. I was like, no. Morally, uh, I feel like Australia won anyway. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 119. I tell you what, it's great for a World Cup to be on at normal hours. So we're not all up in the middle of the night living up to the Night Shift name. We're doing it in afternoons and in the in the early evening. It's so much better. I'm joined by Tommy again. How you doing, man? How you been enjoying the World Cup? Very good. I'm great. I'm super relieved that this isn't going to be like a grief cast because it could have, mm. yeah. Yeah, this, this could have been a, a very dark podcast, but I'm good. I've enjoyed I've enjoyed some of the games. Excellent. I feel like uh, the three of us were probably all teeing up some sort of spray to let loose on the Matildas with had they not gone through, but we don't have to because they did go through. So um, Cooper's here as well. How are you doing, man? How have you been enjoying the World Cup? You hating it? You loving it? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, been some really. You're hating football. it. Be honest. There's been some really a couple of really entertaining games, but I have to admit <laughs> Li- that it hasn't literally just hasn't... a couple, Cooper. Yeah, literally a couple. It hasn't lived up to the excitement that I thought it would bring yet. I'm still hopeful that that once we... I just think where women's football sits at the moment, there might be a few teams in this World Cup that are probably below the quality of a standard of a team that you'd want in a World Cup. So I'm feeling like we're going to get some much more exciting football once we get into the knockout stages and potentially filter a few of these minnows out. Like uh, Tom's Tom's smoky Zambia. I'm glad to see the back of them. (laughs) Fair point. Hey, uh, they at least least won their last game. I'll quickly rebuttal that with um, there are lots of, I I remember the World Cup just gone, the men's world. Where was it? Qatar. Oh, my God. I forgot there was a World Cup in Qatar. What a disaster. Um, There was a lot of junk group stage games. And I think there mm-hmm. generally is in these comps and we just we just kind of forget about it. And we just remember by the end of the knockout stage, we've had all the big teams in there or there's if the, if the big teams aren't there, that, then that means someone else is causing an upset and generally you get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So I can't wait for that all to get started. I think tonight we're just going to go through to start with the Matildas games. We're going to rewind right back because it's important to do it in the context of the time. But at the time, Australia were coming off the back of a, a win against Ireland, where I think it's fair to say, Tommy, they hadn't played quite their best, but still got away with a win. And then came yep. up against the Nigeria side that we, all three of us, I think, had predicted wins against and were we were put in our place a bit. We were. No, big time. Did we all predict it? Didn't I Cooper can't say remember. We were I lose? predicted a win. I thought Cooper said we were going to lose. No, I predicted a nil or draw. Oh, I was, oh, only, okay. I was the only pessimist, but even I wasn't this pessimistic. Okay. It was probably, yeah, no, he's going to live long. Uh, that um, The Nigeria game kind of went perfectly at the back end of how the Ireland game finished. In yep. that, like, there, there were definite problems in, in our build-up play. Um, definitely, definitely, like, Caelan Ford was found out in this game. Uh, she is not an out-and-out striker. And, like, we know that as well. Yep. And so I think, you know, I had a lot of people uh, saying that she's been the biggest, like, disappointment so far, but she's been, you know, played out of position, you could say, in those first two games. Um, and that, you know, inability to do anything uh, in the in the front third, despite the amount of shots on goal and despite, the, you know, the possession that we had, 
that really brought us unstuck in this Nigeria game. Yeah, agree. Um, I think I was. We've discussed it, Tom, and I think I was one of those people that potentially had a bit to say about Caitlin Ford and how I thought she'd been disappointing in this tournament so far. Um, but you're right. She lacked. She lacked quality up top with her in this in this Nigeria game, and you probably give her a, a bit of a pass and let her move on. But I still think she has has been a little bit disappointing in other fixtures too. So. Yeah, and it's obviously not all Caitlin Ford's fault, this result. I think at the time, most of us were calling Tony G a fraud and, and asking if he can be sacked mid-tournament. <laughs> yeah, it was going around. Um, I I'm st- I still think the jury's out on Tony. I, I think a lot of the Australian public would mar- would much rather see us still with Alan in charge. Stage? 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 I'm always going to butcher that, but I don't know. They are, they're through now and through top of the group. I guess if we want to keep it in context of last week's game, yeah, people <laughs> calling for his head, and I don't think they were too far out of place. If we were to go out of this tournament, I in the group stage, I don't think they, those calls would have been unwarranted, would they? Definitely not. I mean, you have to in a in a home soil World Cup in a team that is ranked in the top ten in the world. It's a tricky group. I mean, you got the the Olympic winners, um, you know, the the best team in Africa essentially, yeah. and I, and I suppose Ireland who went out, but you know, there's still two think, two good teams. Yeah, because you need. I still think you need to couple it with the Asian Cup result. Yep, of course. You know, I know it was only where they had one bad game and it was a knockout game, but that's it's your job at international level. Those are the games you have to win. That's that's it. It's not like a league where you can just bounce back next week. It's like you've got to make those games count. That's your only chance. And if you're not mm. going to do it, then you shouldn't be in the job. And looking looking at how, you know, the good Korea is doing in this World Cup, that's it, it, it looks like a result that was definitely uh, we underperformed. In the tournament that we were trying to use as a build-up to win a World Cup, it was just, yeah. I like that. I think you do have to tie that context in because nothing much has changed from that time either. I uh, I saw a, a nice Twitter thread the other day that was post the Canada game and it said now the Matildas have qualified. Um, sum up Tony Gustafsson in three words and the oh. top and the top comment was Graham Arnold Speck. Uh, <laughs> perfect. It's so true though, isn't it? Like it just it, they're identical partners in this. Well, that they have qualified by underperforming. <laughs> We should have topped this group. I believe we should have topped this group. We did, but it should have been more convincing than this. We should have beaten Nigeria, and we've done that Australian football thing again where we've limped our way to a positive result and all is forgotten. Mm, yeah, I'm going to disagree a little, but I think we'll touch on that more when we get to the, the Canada game. Um my thoughts after Nigeria, I just want to go back to this first. We'll finish on this and move on. But Steph Catley is an absolute gun mm. and a great leader. And I'm a massive fan. But is is she not wasted at left back? Or is, is she playing left back because there's no one else that can? And the team is stronger with someone else at left mid than someone else at left back? This is a really interesting question because there looks to be a dearth of uh, left-back talent in the upper echelon of the women's game at the moment. Contrast it just with England briefly. They're playing uh, Rachel Daly at left-back, who is a striker uh, in the WSL. 
And so it's not, it's not too uncommon to think that, you know, you've just got really good mobile, you know, uh, football technicians and you think, okay, we need to be able to fit them into the side somehow. Let's mold them into a left back. Um, mm. That doesn't take away, I think, anything from being a left back, but that looks like what's happening. No, I don't think so either. I just wonder if, you know, if Steph can play left mid, are the other left back options like that week that we have to put that Steph has to play left back and I th- I think as well it's like Tom said a little bit it's about having Steph in this team having her in the eleven because she's obviously too good to not be there um yeah and we've seen that Caitlin Ford is by far at her best when she's wide left um mm-hmm. not not a striker not an out and out striker at her best wide left Haley Razzo at her best wide right. And I assume the assumption going into this tournament would have been Sam Kerr up top, Caitlin Ford out on the left. So it's probably why Catley's been molded to that left back position so they can use Ford out wide. Yeah. I guess like I, I know she plays most of her football now as a left back, but um just a super potent attack down the wing. I just Yeah, where would you prefer to see her as a winger? Yeah, on the left left mid side. Well, if the he's gonna mid. if he's gonna keep rolling out these four four twos that look atrocious True. on the left mid. Point. You know what I mean? But if you're if you're changing that, um you know, if you're going a four three three or something with higher wingers, then left back's fine. Mm. It just really depends. Looking just, at the team, who, who would you bring in? It, it may even be Charlie Grant. Well, that's what I mean. Might, it's yeah, yeah, I don't know if we have the option to put anyone there, <laughs> that's maybe why, but Oh, well, anyway, that's that. Anything else on Nigeria before we move on? It was just like overall uh, a sucker punch kind of game, um, which did highlight the flaws and probably the flaws that we're going to carry into the knockout stage now, which is a shame because, as we're about to get to, this Canada game, I think, papers over some cracks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just finishing off, we just spoke all about Matildas there, but uh, Nigeria deserved their credit as well. They were they were pretty good. They hit on the counter really well, and they just punished, really. Punished, took their and chances. and They did enough in this game, getting a result to see themselves through to the knockouts as well, which yeah. is Absolutely. definitely something that we didn't have. They were, they, were, they, were very, they were very good in the sense that they overloaded our midfield and we were like, Tony made no subs and we were not reactive to the situation at all. They figured us out. Um, it's you know the sucker punch moment is the goal right on half time, but after after half time, you know the three and two in midfield really brought us undone, and I'm worried that we don't have a plan B if that happens again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on to this week, obviously Monday night we're recording late on Tuesday night. England have just finished their game against China. Um, Australia beat Canada four nil, but in the build up to this, we're pretty grisly. Everyone's pretty uh, preparing there, preparing to fire the rockets at Tony and whoever needs it. Um, and I was just seeing so much on social media and in football media and everywhere, I guess, just that same old thing about this Australian spirit and this battler mentality and stuff. And it just, I'll be honest, it drives me right up the wall. Like, it's it kind of... It, it kind of is said as though no other country plays with passion or or fights with pride for their country, which is just simply not the case. Um, and then I'd hate to think 
that we put a win like last night. Last night we, we went out, we batted Canada 4-0, which we're about to talk about. I'd hate to think we put a win like this just down to having that Aussie spirit and Aussie battler stuff because I think that really diminishes the achievements of the players that went out there and the quality that they do have and can show. And we have we know that this team has in them. Um, Yeah, thoughts? The, the Aussie battler myth is the, the funniest thing in like culture and when you try and transmit it to sport as well, because it doesn't, like you said, it, it really does diminish the actual effort and, you know, the capability of the women that we're watching play football because they're actually very good in the context of yeah, what's going absolutely. on. And so it does, it feels kind of derogatory in a way, but they buy into it. And like the men do as well, the men for more obvious reasons, because they are definitely underdogs going to games. Yeah. But it, it would be it would be so good if we could assert ourselves as a good footballing nation and go in there and be like, yeah, we should be winning these games. It's not about backs to the wall, never say die. But yeah, maybe we should be taking authority in this. Yeah, I think that's where it probably stands out a little bit more in tournaments like this. Like you said, Tom, the the men's team, you know, if we buy into this, we go into games as underdogs. But the Tillies were favourites going into all three of these games. Yeah. We shouldn't be talking about Aussie battler, spirit, backs against the wall, underdog. We should be talking about we're a better football side than these three nations. How yeah. are we tactically going to beat all of them? How is our football going to undo all of them? And you're spot on. So much conversation. Let's pile in the Aussie spirit. Let's get on get on top. We can win this mental battle. And then the girls go out there, score four goals. The best performance we've seen from Matilda's team in the last 12 months easily. And it's just back to this again. We need to... To be a to be a quality football nation, it's not just on the pitch; it's off the pitch as well. We need to discuss actually how good the football the Matildas played in this game was. Mm. It's kind of self fulfilling the prophecy, because then when the backs do get against the wall, the girls often find their best football. And so yeah. maybe maybe it's not all bullshit. Like <laughs> maybe we're just scorning it. That maybe they need it. Because isn't, isn't, Colling, isn't Collingwood, like, let's talk footy quick. Isn't Collingwood like a great backs-to-the-wall team? Don't they love that shit? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just like, to me, I, to me, it's just semantics, I guess, from my point of view. But it's just like, I feel like when you say it, it's like you're acting as though no other country has that when it's that's just bullshit. <laughs> like, I, you know what I mean? I think it's also you can't go into a game and or post-Nigeria, how bad was the football we played? How bad was Tony Gustafsson's coaching? How bad was this? How bad was that? And then go go and beat the Olympic champions 4-0 and go Aussie spirit rather than going, how good was Tony Gustafsson's coaching? How good was the football that Matilda's played? It's mm-hmm. it's stopped, like Sam said earlier, diminishing the achievement of the players and, and the coaching staff because it is an achievement. On to the football. Definitely. Um, geez, they just started on fire. They were brilliant uh, from the outset. I got... Pretty fired up before this game started. I think most people did. We knew we needed a result, and they just put the foot down from the start. They were solid in attack. Um, sorry, they were dangerous in attack. They were solid at the back as well. Um, who was the striker? Not Sinclair. Who's the toy? Uh, Jordan Heitema um, mm-hmm. was causing us a few problems, and maybe if a little bit of luck went away, she might have found the net off some of those little flicked on kind of headers and deflections, but it wasn't the case. And at the other end, Hayley Rasso, the new Real Madrid signing was just potent. Yep. She was elite. I'm saying it. Ring the elite, elite bell. Elite. Exactly. We brought the word elite to the pod. Now we're using it. And now we're using it. Ironically though, 
this isn't some kind of... <laughs> he's sitting there grinning. He's like, yes, I got them. Now, Hallie Razzo is that, and that's that's fucking why Real Madrid signed her. Uh, the, the finish for the first goal was brilliant. It's, yep. you know, low across the keeper in the box. You take a touch, she has the awareness and, and the time and the peace of mind to do so. Uh, so it's just a brilliant finish. And, yeah, she... She had a good game. Would you say she was the best on field? Uh, I thought Cooney Cross was fantastic in midfield. Mm. Um, but I also thought, I don't know, Raza also had that chance just after the first one, but on her weaker foot though, and couldn't quite get the power on it. And the yeah. keeper at full stretch was able to stop it, then grabbed a second goal later. But yeah, uh, uh, Cooney Cross in centre mid, I thought was fantastic Steph Catley once again as well I thought at left back was brilliant getting up and down the overlaps things like that it's um yeah you'll be glad to know who won the player in the match award then who was it following one following on from the Irish hero- uh, heroics it was <laughs> Hayley Rasso it was Rasso because for the goals because she scored goals yeah yeah I do that's, that's football I, isn't it I do think on this occasion that scoring two goals from open play and creating a few more opportunities is potentially more deserving of a player of the match award than a, it was a creating penalty in a, in a well. one nil dead rubber. She was, she was probably top two players on the pitch. I, I'm in agreement with Sam that Kyra Cooney cross was fantastic. Um, Thoroughly enjoyed the move after the first corner to finally get Katrina Gorry offset pieces and put yeah. Kyra Cooney cross on them. And she caused a lot of issues for Canada with her set pieces. Yeah. yeah. Big, Big fan of Gory, but not on those, not on the dead ball. No, definitely not. Um, they work so well together, though, uh, Gory and Cooney Cross. Um, it's it's a great midfield when it works. I just I, there were some interesting notes to like uh, make of this. This was our biggest ever World Cup victory um, in like Australian football. Um, crazy to have both the men's and the females uh, making it through to the round of sixteen in like a year period. Um, so that's like great news. Like, obviously we've shit on the, the, not the Matildas, but shit on what happened in the Nigeria game a little bit, but it is, it's, it's very, uh, heartwarming to see like on the same day that Buddy Franklin announced his retirement in the wake of the Matildas winning 4-0, they dominated the front and back pages of every paper in the country. And they got something like 4.8 million viewers. Uh, on Channel Seven, this is like this is crazy. It's it, they're reaching a, a height of sporting fandom that is you know rivaled by the very best in this country. Yeah, love that. Um, I just wondered with you guys as well. I before the tournament, Sam, you asked Tom and I what we think a pass mark for the Matildas in this competition would be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Tom, you thought this group was tougher than the rest of us thought it was at the time. And you said that you thought that a round of 16 appearance was a pass mark for the Tillies. Do we still feel that way? Yep. Stick. Definitely stick. I mean, we now play Denmark in the round of 16. So that to me is a game we we should win. And so I'd like to see us now go to the quarterfinals, but you know, I'd stick with that. This was a tough group. And I think we saw that it played out like that. Um, We're not, as good as we we need to be to be able to win a World Cup, but who knows, man? Aussie spirits in full swing now. Mm, I think a quarter final. Still, I'm still bitter about this Asian Cup performance, and so I want to kind of 
get back some of what was lost there. And I'd love to see a quarterfinal. That's as far as uh, the furthest the men have got. That quarterfinal nah, we played. Oh, it was around a 16, we, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around a 16. Yeah. I had it. Do you know why? Because I have it in my head that um, I always have it in my head that Italy played Ukraine in the next round and killed them. And I feel like we would have smashed Ukraine as well and ended up in so a So we semi. already won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we didn't. So, yeah, I think um, if they could make it to a quarter, furthest an Australian team has been in a World Cup um, at senior level, I guess. I'm not sure about the junior levels, but uh, yeah. Let's yeah. go. Let's get it. I'm going to say quarterfinal too. I'm going to stick with, I I think that this may sound harsh, but I think if they go out in this round of 16, it's still a failure. Um, it, It's still not just, not nearly a pass mark. It is still far below a pass mark. Um, I said pre-tournament that I thought Australia should easily top this group and they didn't do it easily, but they got there in the end. Group's been topped, whether things went your way or didn't. But now they yeah. come up against a Denmark team on home soil, everything going for them. You know, Denmark lost one nil to England, beat Haiti one sorry, beat Haiti two nil with a penalty and a hundredth minute goal. Um, and they won their other game in the group against uh China one nil with a penalty as well. Um so yeah, interesting. Doesn't, doesn't scream you it's, know, it's, quality, it's not good it? football. Um yeah. the Matildas have obviously in the last game played great football, but prior to that left a lot to be desired, but I still think have played on the level or above the level of Denmark. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum now, isn't it? Uh, I feel like we should beat Denmark, so we should make a, a quarterfinal. But, you know, in saying that, I thought Denmark were going to offer way more in this group, and they haven't so far. They've managed to get their their asses out of there, and let's see. Let's see. Maybe they do come to play. Um, but we're going to have Sam Kerr back, aren't we? So we don't lose from here in. So we play Denmark. It's 7th of August. It's next, um, next Monday, Monday night. Yeah, another Monday night game, which... Works for me. Monday night's like my quietest night of the week, so I'm a big fan of that. Um, let's get it. Uh, I did say, I just predicted, well, I just said I think we should be making a quarter, but I just want to have a bit of a chat about some of the other football, I guess, because I was saying to you guys, especially before the Canada game last night where we turned it on, that some of the other teams we've watched in this tournament look worlds ahead of the Matildas, Um, particularly the US, despite their results perhaps not being the best, their football has been really good to watch. Um, Japan and Spain I've thoroughly enjoyed. I know they've played weaker teams and they still have to play each other, but they've just looked, it's their style of play, the movement, um, the pace with which they're moving and the technique on the ball. Um, And the other one was uh, Germany-Colombia, the game which we saw the other night, uh, Sunday night that was in Sydney, and that was an absolute pumping game. Yeah, the the Germany Columbia game was the one that caught my attention uh, this week. Just, I'm not sure how many of us had like Columbia down to be the most raucous fans to come and travel and and be a part of this Women's World Cup. It was insane scenes, like things you would only see maybe if Sydney made a grand final. Like that's that's pretty much it in a domestic game. You would never see that week to week. So to see it in this kind of situation in this tournament. Uh, was bloody great and didn't the football serve it up like you get an absolute worldie of a goal uh, to begin with but the uh, uh, Kaichado I think her name is uh, real young like 16 years old cuts back inside curls one brilliantly into the top corner and then you get you know the absolute demise of like a late equalizer you get the German legend pops you know popping up again 
doing what she does. And then the, you know, the fucking last minute winner, 97th minute. Incredible. And didn't, you know, the crowd deserved it. And that's the tournament deserved it. This, that, that'll be for me one of the best moments, I think, of the tournament. Yeah, and total grants. Um, that was the one fixture that I thought really entertained me, and that's what I've been looking for in this World Cup. And it finally came. Um, yeah, cracking game. Colombia doing the job against one of the favoured nations of this tournament. Um, and it's wide open now. It's really, really blown wide open. I remember we sort of discussed: can anyone beat the USA going into this tournament? Um, and they've They've limped out of the group stages uh, in second place behind the Netherlands and now find themselves in a much more difficult path to the final than they would have if if they'd done what we all expected and topped the group. Well, I mean, imagine imagine Colombia do top this group, though, and Germany finish the second and they manage to avoid them anyway. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, they're going to go up against Sweden um, in a round of 16 clash yep. the USA and and I wouldn't be pre-tournament I I noted I was hot on Sweden and thought they could be a, a dark horse to take this tournament out and I wouldn't be surprised to see Sweden deal with the United States that's a funny old group isn't it group G have you watched a bit of this the Argentina South Africa game was excellent the Argies coming from 2-0 down to uh to to equalizing at this back in the Italians you know a bit up and down with their form it seems you know a bit of Jekyll and Hyde performances this is that's that's a wide open group as well like you may not see the absolute powerhouses of women's football make it into the round of 16. Yeah, blown open group. Um, Sweden top it now, but wide open for that second spot. Um, I don't rate the Italians. The South Africans have been been hard done by on a few occasions, like you said, 2-0 up and and drew to all late in that game and also blew a 1-0 one, lead against Sweden to lose 2-1 in their opening game. So it will be interesting to see how that group unfolds. Sweden are what they're third in the world, aren't they? Like, yeah, high ranked team, but weren't necessarily rated heavily going into this yeah, tournament. Under the radar, because people just obviously don't consider Sweden to be a powerhouse of anything, I guess. But <laughs> there they are, top of the group. Um, soft bigotry, Sammy. I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to mention. I thought it would just was just quickly touch on uh, New Zealand, the co hosting nation, going out. Um, a tough group with Switzerland and Norway, probably of similar abilities, maybe a little better. Um, I think they had the shock loss to the Philippines, which has killed them. Um, mm. But aside from that, I don't think New Zealand have been all that bad. They remind, uh, it's easy to think of because they're our neighbours, but they remind me of watching the Matildas maybe 10 years ago, I guess. And they're, mm-hmm. I guess they're on an upward trajectory. I think maybe this has probably come at a little bit, uh, a little bit too early in their run for me or too early in their growth. Yeah. It's a, it's a great uh, opportunity to host a world cup because you obviously get automatic qualification into it. And it gives you a, a massive period where you, there's no jeopardy. You can invest a certain amount of money and you know, you're going to be there. Uh, they performed admirably like their first win in a world cup tournament. Yeah, can't understate that. But what it has ended up coming down to is that shock defeat to the the Philippines. Like they could be out of they this win that. Group. They're through. Yeah, that's it. They're through. I mean, you don't know. Does that change the mentality of Switzerland, Norway? In oh, I mean, Norway always went on to win. But if Switzerland come out and play to it win, it certainly uh, changes the the way. Because yeah. I watched that game, and Switzerland were 
so boring and atrocious and they just had the bus parked, weren't really interested in scoring. So um, they certainly yeah. would have changed that, I guess. But still, win that but game I mean, against the Philippines and you're, you know, right there. That's it. You're in. You're out. But Switzerland have been pretty boring throughout this group. I mean, what, two goals, four, zero against, <laughs> only one win and they top the group. You know, yep. you won't see that. You won't see that in too many other groups. Um, may, yeah, maybe a weak group on paper. Norway hyped, good, good footballing team. Haven't shown it still. Let's see where they go from here. Pepper, anything to add? Um, not on New Zealand. I just wanted to. Um, I didn't catch in time there before you went on to New Zealand. I just wanted to backstep to Linda Caicedo quickly for Tommy there. Nah, um, it's too late. Oof. Nah, mm. go on. <laughs> um, a bit of you sort of touched on on these moments in football and <laughs> and and how this works with life and the sport and putting things in context. Um, with Sebastian Heller a bit earlier on in the podcast season. Um, Linda Caicedo, Tom, you know she's young, uh, eighteen years old, recently signed with Real Madrid. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, at um fifteen years of age in twenty twenty, diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Um, oh, had surgery to remove a tumor, which involved the complete removal of one of her ovaries at 15 years of age. Oh, has boy. come back in a three-year space to sign for Real Madrid and and score this goal for her country at 18 years of age in a World Cup. It's a it's a massive moment. It's just another one of those contextual things where we talk about football like it's life or death, and and then we you know we have these scenarios too. Holy fuck, that's massive, man. That's incredible to do it all within that time period and for the, the, the how young she is too. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I love those stories. Obviously, we'd rather that didn't happen to people, but it's great to hear the recoveries mm. and um, people come back from things like that to be able to do what they love and do it at this level as well. Um, I think we might wrap it there. We've got uh, just a bit of a shorter one tonight, but we were going to chat England a little bit, but I think we can probably save it for next week now that they're, they're definitely through. They won 6-1. Um, Tonight, the night we're recording, 6-1 at Highmarsh against China. They were pretty emphatic in that game, uh, punishing the chances that came their way. So we'll talk about them come the knockout stages and anyone else that's through come next week. So, um, yeah, keep enjoying the tournament. Keep getting around us. Get around the socials. Uh, go check it out. If you want to go leave a review on Apple or on Spotify, go ahead. And uh, check it. out the new website that Cooper's uh, updated and done. We haven't added anything to it since he did that article about the World Cup, but you know, <laughs> it's just it's a there. shell. It looks nicer. <laughs> it looks nicer. Go look at it. Just um, go look at it. That's all we want. Yeah. Excellent. All right. See you, folks. Go the Aussies. Yep. Up the Tillies. Go Tillies.